He is the shepherd who cares for us. He's the lamb who paid the sin debt. He's the soon returning lion coming in judgment. The Lord Jesus, all of those metaphors. I'm moving away from our study in Philippians to bring a standalone message from what Brother Marcus Spears just shared from the baptistry. I don't know that I've ever preached this passage before. Uh, Certainly I've alluded to it. I've referenced it, but I don't know that I've ever given a, a, a real treatment of it, namely the good shepherd and his sheep. The good shepherd and his sheep from John chapter 10. If you'd make your way to the gospel of John chapter 10, verses 22 to 31, John 10, 22 to 31. Guys, restart that, would you? I'm sure I did. There we go. Thank you. Yeah, that's the one. John 10, beginning in verse 21, Jesus self-identifies as the good shepherd in verse 11, I am the good shepherd. In verse 14, I am the good shepherd and know my sheep and am known of mine. But the narrative uh, that I want us to consider uh, this morning begins in verse 22. And it was at Jerusalem, the feast of the dedication, and it was winter. And Jesus walked in the temple in Solomon's porch. Then came the Jews round about him and said unto him, that is the Jewish leaders, and said unto him, how long dost thou make us to doubt? If thou be the Christ, tell us plainly. Challenging him, trying to provoke him, really. They weren't saying that in a kind-hearted way. Jesus answered them, I told you, and you believed not. The works that I do in my Father's name, they bear witness of me. Well, what works? Well, miracle after miracle are the works that he did, is what he's referencing. But you believe not, verse 26, because you are not of my sheep. As I said unto you, my sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me, and I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish, neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. My Father who gave them to me is greater than all. And no man is able to pluck them out of my father's hand. I and my father are one. And just to demonstrate why we can know that they were hostile toward him is verse 31. Then the Jews took up stones to stone him because he claimed to be God, the God man, God in the flesh. And to be sure, he was and is. So Jesus identified himself as the good shepherd in contrast to the false shepherd who would steal away the souls of men, verse 10 in this chapter, the thief comes to steal and to kill and to destroy. But then he said, but I am not like that. I don't want to steal, kill, and destroy. I want to give life and eternal life. I'm the good shepherd. And I want to bring out four points from this text, which uh, speaks to the work the function, if you will, of the good shepherd as well as his sheep, those who follow him. And the first thing I want to draw to our attention is found in verse 27. Guys, I don't know why I'm, maybe I'm just not pushing hard enough on the 
uh, channel changer there. The good shepherd owns the sheep. Notice in verse 27, if you would, he says the very first two words, my sheep. This verse indicates that those who know and follow the good shepherd were known and owned by the good shepherd. That is, they're not just anyone's sheep. They're not even sheep unto themselves, but in fact, they are my sheep, the good shepherd says. Uh, He owns them, and he owns them even before they became followers of his. Folks, because we who know him are his sheep, amen? Are you one of the sheep? Uh, And yet, this was written 2,000 years ago. So he knew you before you were ever procreated, before you ever had any knowledge of the Lord, he knew you. In fact, that's called foreknowledge in Romans 8 and verse 29. For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate. The idea of foreknowledge is that there was a relationship known to the Lord, and we'll get to this in just a moment, but in eternity past and Because of that relationship, which he knew, which he established, he then determined, destined ahead of time, pre, for those to become his own. And uh, I kind of uh, gave a, a, a description in my own words of what this verse is saying. The good shepherd chose to set his love upon his sheep ahead of time and thereby predetermined to make them his own. Now that is biblical theology. He, uh, he did not look down through time and see that you would believe. That would be for science. He, uh, uh, he would come to that knowledge, which also says, by the way, that eliminates his omniscience, meaning uh, if, uh, if he, he didn't choose you until he saw you would believe, that would mean that there was some point before that that he didn't know if you would believe, which eliminates his all-knowing capability. No, he determined to know you in eternity past. In fact, it says in Ephesians 1 and verse 4, it tells us when he did that according as he hath chosen us in him. He determined that we would be his sheep before the foundation of the world. So way back in eternity past, whatever that means, because there wasn't time, in the mind of God, in the sovereign decree of God, he marked out, he predetermined who would be his own. And folks, if it doesn't mean that, then what, pray tell, does it mean that he chose us in him, in Christ, before the world was ever created? You tell me what that means. That before there was anything, he said, I will have you as my own. And again, I offer uh, a feeble attempt, and that's not feigned humility, uh, but uh, to describe what this is talking about. The father chose or elected particular sheep to be in the fold that is to be part of his flock of the good shepherd before the creation of the universe. Now that is absolutely, that is uh, demonstrated time and time again in the word of God, that salvation is of the Lord and he chose his sheep uh, to be his own to the degree that if you'll notice in verse 26 of why they did not believe, look at verse 26. You don't believe not because uh, uh, you're hard-hearted, not because uh, uh, you don't have the evidence, it's because you are not of my sheep is why they did not. Now, to be 
to be sure. They didn't want to believe. They had an, a hostile attitude, uh, but make no mistake about it. Uh, those who come to him are those who were chosen to come to him. He received those by faith who were already chosen. Say, prove that, demonstrate that. Well, the word of God is, is, uh, is clear again in Acts 13, 48. As many, now notice the syntax, notice the order, and this is exactly how it is in the Greek New Testament. It does not say as many as believed were then chosen. No, it doesn't say that. It says all those who were ordained or chosen to eternal life believed. In the course of time, they believed. But first, they were ordained to eternal life. Now, some of you, maybe you're thinking, I have never heard such a thing before. Uh, well, it, <laughs> truth in scripture, this particular truth, was new for the first time for all of us, amen? And so uh, d don't be rattled by that. You say, I don't know, I'm, I'm chafing uh, with this, uh, this thought that God predetermined who would come to know him. And in fact, he said in motion, folks, if he had not done that, no one would come to know him because no one cares about God. No one fears God. There's no fear of God uh, before their eyes. No one would say, yes, Lord, on his or her own. In fact, I want to uh, demonstrate that uh, biblically, and I don't have it in my notes, but I'm going to read it. It is such an important point. In Romans chapter 3, in Romans chapter 3, verse 10, there is none righteous, no, not one, there is none that understands. There is none that seeketh after God. You won't seek him on your own. He must intervene to the degree that John 6.44 says, only those that the, that the Father draws will come to me. There must be a touching of the heart. That's why Ephesians 2.1 says, you hath he quickened, you hath he woken up. You have he uh, made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins. You didn't wake yourself up. He woke you up and he drew you to himself for salvation. You say, well, I don't know that I particularly like that or agree with that or, or I, I struggle with that. And really, it begs the question, okay, what difference does it actually make? Whether I called upon him without his intervention or I called upon him for salvation because he directly touched my heart. What actually, what actual difference does it make? Well, it makes this difference. Either God gets all of the credit, 100%, for creating and ordaining this plan, the plan of salvation, in calling you uh, uh, in having you on his heart, ordaining you in eternity past, and then the course of time, moving on your heart to call you and draw you to himself, either that's it, and he gets all of the credit, or you have the good sense as a dead sinner, spiritually dead, who doesn't seek after God, who has no fear of God, that somehow you had a good moment, and you said, I think I'll choose the Savior, and you get in on some of the credit. Now, which one do you like better? the former, right? That salvation is of the Lord. He is the one who did this work. My guess is this is brand new news for some. It ought not alienate you. It ought to draw your heart to say, God, you are good to me. While I was yet a sinner, Christ died for me. When did Christ die for you? While you were lost. When were you lost? Right now in the 21st century, if you don't know the Lord. When did he die? 2,000 years ago. Oh, you mean 2,000 years ago, you were on his heart. In fact, 
two billion years ago, two quadrillion years ago, in eternity past, you were on his heart because he said, my sheep hear my voice and they follow me. They know me and they follow me. Do I sound like I believe this truth? (laughs) Amen. Because it brings great glory to the Lord. He has called, uh, he uh, he owns his sheep. Um, Next, the call will be next. But Thomas Constable wrote, the ultimate reason they did not understand Jesus was that they were not of the sheep that the Father had given to the Son. This condition did not excuse their unbelief, but explained it. And, and no, no, uh, no uh, flaming Calvinist, Warren Wiersbe wrote, from the human standpoint, we become his sheep by believing. Now that is actually ha- what happens. The transaction is that I believe. Whoever will call upon the name of the Lord, what? Shall be saved, Romans ten thirteen. So from the human frame of reference, uh, I believe. But from the divine standpoint, we believe because we are his sheep. In the Bible, divine election and human responsibility are perfectly balanced. And what God has joined together, we must not put asunder. I like that uh, illustration or that allusion to to marriage, uh, uh, the permanence of marriage that he uses. That's good. So the good shepherd owns his sheep. Secondly, we see uh, in, in verse 27, the sheep hear the good shepherd's call. Notice in verse 27, my sheep hear my voice. Now there are two calls in scripture. There's the call that goes out to all the world, repent and believe. It goes out to everyone. Uh, You've told your family, you've told your neighbors, you've told the world to call upon the Lord, repent and believe. That's the external call. It goes out through the proclamation of the gospel. But it doesn't always uh, end up in salvation. In fact, broad is the way that leads to death. Many there are that go that way. And so most people, in fact, whether hearing a, a clear gospel call or not, they only hear it with the ears. They don't hear it with the heart. But those who respond in faith are those who have received the internal call unto salvation. Romans 8.30 talks about that. Moreover, whom he did predestine. We already learned that he predestined in eternity past. So back in eternity past, whoever was marked out ahead of time and predetermined by the Lord to save, all of those he will call to himself, that internal call. And notice all of those that receive the internal call, that is the tug at the heart to repent and believe, those, in fact, all of those are justified. And not a one's going to be lost according to our passage. Uh, the, the Father's going to, uh, no one's going to be able to pluck them out of my hand, out of my Father's hand. And every one of those who are justified will be glorified. He also glorified. Now, not yet because I haven't died yet and you haven't died yet. But at one time, uh, at some time, if you know the Lord, you're going to be glorified. Now let's go backwards with this. Anybody here? Anybody here want to go? How's that song go? Oh, yeah. Anybody here want to live forever? Say, I do. Okay, good. Not, not the rousing response I would have wanted. Maybe it was commensurate with the quality of the singing. I don't know. But anybody here heaven bound? Well, that means you're going to be glorified. 
But in order to be glorified, that is be in heaven one day, you have to have been one who was justified. That is, your penalty for your sin was met by Christ. And if that took place, it's because you were called and by definition responded to that call to repent and believe and those who actually did that, it's because they were predetermined in eternity past. Now, folks, that's just, the, uh, that's just the fact of the matter. And if you chafe with it, if you struggle with it, if you've not heard it before, then you simply have to wrestle with this plethora of verses that I'm offering of the sovereign work of God in salvation. Remember, it's for his glory. It's unto him that we, uh, we believe what he says about this. So, in the mind of God, in eternity past, he marked out, he predestined his sheep for himself. He extended the call to turn to him when they did, when we did, we're justified through faith in the finished work and our names are written down in heaven. Thirdly, what else goes on in this passage? Well, the end of verse 27, it says in so many words, the sheep listen to the good shepherd's call. Notice in verse 27, my sheep hear my voice and I know them. What does it say? Say it with me. And they follow me. Oh, you mean there's no such thing as optional discipleship? Optional obedience? Well, uh, you tell me. A flock of sheep, using the, continuing this metaphor, and uh, uh, there's, a, there's a hundred of them there, and one of them uh, decides to go his own way or her own way. Is the shepherd indifferent to that? Does the shepherd care at all? Yes, the shepherd cares entirely. And so as one of his sheep, I have been wayward any number of times in the nearly 47 years I've known the Lord. I responded to the call because I was predestined and then I was justified. But in the course of walking this out in this life, uh, I've gone, I've had rebellious moments, we'll say. Anybody identify with me? Brother Sailor, your hand's not up. Any rebellious moments? Shoulders injured. Because you're always hugging on your wife. That's, that's, what's, uh, that's what's going on there. <laughs> and even though I've had those times, he has always, 100% of the time, gone out, picked up his sheep, dirty in the mud, playing around the riverbank. There's crocodiles there and and he rescued me yet again bring me brought me back to the fold scolding me along the way by the way because that is love what father does not discipline his child Hebrews 12 I think and he does that because he is a loving father. He will always draw you back. But the point, the fact of the matter is, his sheep follow him. They know him and they follow him. So that begs the question, are you following the Lord Jesus? Are you living for him moment by moment, day by day? Or would you, can you casually get by in life just doing your own thing? Marching to the beat of your own drum versus, in fact, following him. Fourthly, 
the good shepherd, uh, the, uh, the, the good shepherd, here we go, saves and secures his sheep. Verses 28 through 30. Notice it says in verses 28 through 30, I give unto them eternal life. They'll never perish. They'll never be plucked out of my hand, my father's hand. They're not going to be plucked out of his. In fact, I and my father are one. Wow. What a theology that is. We were spiritually dead, rebellious in heart, uh, sinful to one another, and yet God so loved us that he paid the debt for my sin. It says in Romans 5, verses 6 through 9, for when we were yet without strength, I couldn't do anything, couldn't help myself toward heaven. In due time, in the course of time, Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die. It, 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 it might happen that you would die. You, you would take the place of somebody who was especially righteous. Yet peradventure, for a good man, someone even dared to die. But God commended. He demonstrated his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He did not die for good people. He did not die for righteous people. He died for filthy, rotten sinners. And Paul said, of whom I am chief, number one. Maybe you can identify with what Paul said. Much more then, being now justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him, through Christ. The wrath of God, which, the condemnation of God, which blankets the human race because of sin and rebellion, we have been lifted from that. We have been snatched out of that place of judgment and wrath and placed in the fold, the sheepfold of the good shepherd. Notice in verse 28, the good shepherd sacrificially gave himself for the sheep. The first part of verse 28, and I give unto them eternal life. The price for eternal life for the sheep is Christ himself. You know, the song says, I should have been crucified. I should have suffered and died. I should have hung on the cross in disgrace. But Jesus, God's son, took my place. And that's, uh, that's the, substitu the substitution. I offer my sin and depravity and deadness, and he gives me his life, forgiveness, and righteousness. What a transaction that is. It's, it's a glorious thing. And, and it's not, okay, I'm going to get fire insurance, but I don't care anything about the shepherd. No, no, no. My sheep know me, and they follow me. So it is free grace, I'll remind us, but it's not cheap grace. It cost him everything. And now he says, follow me, and I'll be your Lord and Savior. So the good shepherd gave his life. And also, God unilaterally gave the sheep to the good shepherd. Notice the first part of verse 29. My father who gave them to me. And so God the father gave as a love gift the people who would love and follow the Lord. And you know, God owns everything. And he can give as he chooses. Psalm 50 
verses 10 through 12 says, For every beast of the forest is mine, the cattle upon a thousand hills. I know all the fowls of the mountains, the wild beasts of the field are mine. If I were hungry, I would not tell you, for the world, the world is mine and the fullness thereof. God the Father gave to God the Son all the sheep that he had called to himself. And God the Father gave the Son for the sheep. What a loving heavenly Father. For God so what? Loved the world. He did what? He gave. What a loving Father that we have. And then finally, about the good shepherd saving and securing his sheep. We see in verse, end of verse 28, the end of verse 29, and verse 30, that God will keep the sheep safe in the fold. He will keep us safe. If you're one of his, if you're a child of God, if you're one of the sheep, you are safe. The wolf cannot steal you from the flock because the all-powerful, all-seeing, infinitely merciful God is making sure to secure your salvation, to keep your salvation secure. Theologian Thomas Constable wrote, this is one of, uh, of the clearest promises of eternal security. Here it is. This is one of the clearest promises of eternal security of the believer that God has given us in his word. It is also a clear statement of the fact that eternal life comes to us as a gift, not as wages that we have earned. He gives us everlasting life. Theologian of yesteryear, A.W. Pink, wrote, the hand of Christ, in verse 28, is beneath us, and the hand of the Father is above us. Thus are we secured between the clasped hands of omnipotence. The all-powerful hands of God. The Father uh, above us. The Son upholding us. The Spirit indwelling us. We are secure in the hands of the omnip, the all-powerful one. Now, the shepherd, the good shepherd and the sheep, <clears throat> are you one of his? Well, I don't know if, uh, I, don't, I, I don't know if I was uh, predestined in eternity past. That's not your, that's not your problem to know. You're, the issue for you is, have you repented and believed? Have you done what scripture says for you to do and that is receive him for as many as receive him to them gave you right to become the children of God even to those who believe on his name who truly believe and say yes Lord save me forgive me make me your own. Marcus testified of that uh, that that happened in his life uh, sometime back. I've testified that nearly half a century ago that took place uh, in my life and by the way folks I sinned a whole lot more in the 47 years in quantity, the 47 years since I've been saved, than I did in the 20 years before I was saved. Just by sheer numbers and statistics, that would, that would uh, bear out. And yet, I am as saved today as I have ever been, and I will be a million years from now as I have ever been uh, 
In other words, it doesn't change. I am secure in him. Do you know the Savior? Have you come to personal faith in Christ, calling upon him as your very own? Lord, I'm thankful for your word, the power of this metaphor that you are the good shepherd and all who know you are your sheep. And we follow you and we are kept by you. We're secure in you, Lord Jesus. And uh, we're so grateful for your kindness toward us in dying and paying the price for sin. And all who receive you by faith are eternally secure. May we thank you in a spirit of worship for saving us, for uh, electing us, ordaining us unto eternal life, and doing so before we ever did any, any, had any action or any attitude or any thought, before we ever took a breath, you already had a, a loving uh, eye and gaze upon us. And then in the course of time, drew us to yourself through the conviction of sin and granting of faith to receive you. So Lord, you alone receives all uh, credit, praise, thanksgiving for, um, for our salvation which we've received. And we give you that, those thanks even now. We're gonna stand now.